Hello, welcome to episode 11 of the High Five Download Podcast. Uh, with me, as One always, month. is uh, Demetrio Lucero. Hello. How's it going? Um, so, Demetrio actually came up with today's topic. Um, yeah. So, I was thinking... Explain yourself. All right. I was thinking we could do something here that is the top five best debut albums and the low five worst sophomore albums. Yeah, it's a good idea. It was uh, it was kind of a challenge because there are so many really good debut albums. Yeah, I was almost thinking of like saying like I was gonna do something like but we could maybe save it for later, like one and done, like albums that like they came out with and just never came out with a second one or yeah. never did anything else. Which well, I actually have a few on my list that are like that, but yeah. you know. Or we could actually do a, like a reverse episode of this as well. And yeah. We do like yeah. the top five, like sophomore albums. Yeah. And then the like worst debut albums. Yeah. Or you know? just like not as good. As yeah. The, or as, not as, as good. As the debut. second, yeah. their second album, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> well, anyways, <laughs> I love them all. Uh, <laughs> so I guess we could just like uh, jump into it, man. Yeah, um, no, no guests this week. No guests this week. Um, so we're just gonna go for it. All right. Cool. So uh, why don't you start us off, right. Demi? What I'll is your number five? Number five for top debut albums top of all time. No, all time. My favorite baby debut albums. Demi's favorite. Uh, mine is like I'm starting off with one of those uh, ones that are they were one and done. It's this band. I think they're out of Austin called Viz Queen. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, wow, digging deep on yeah, this. Yeah, real deep. So they, uh, the lead singer was, for a long time, a backup singer for Nico Case. And they kind of sound real similar. They sound alike. Mm-hmm. Um, but Viz Queen is a little bit more kind of a, I don't know what you call it, Austin indie rock kind of band. And uh, it's just good, solid rock and roll for 10 songs. And they produced one album, came out with one album, and that's it. Album's called Message to Garcia. Wow! And uh, came out I think in 2006 or 2007, and they just disbanded, you know, just for the no reason, and that's it. I had kind of thought of doing that as well, just doing a band that only had one album, and that was yeah. it. I mean, and it wasn't. But my, then I my, it wasn't my intent to do that, as you know. Yeah. That that's not what brought it on. It's just yeah. I've listened to this album ever since it came out. Nice. You know, I don't even waiting remember, for I don't remember the how second I, how, album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember how I discovered it, but. You know, just every song was just as good as the last one. And, you know, I listened to a couple of Nico Case songs, but I don't really, you know, I don't yeah. follow her music that, that much. I think she's really good, really great. But, you know, just when I was, like, trying to discover more about this band, that's how I found that out. And it's like, oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on one and dones too, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll save that for yeah. Another episode when we don't have a topic. Um, so I was really torn making this list. It was really hard, and I had a lot of uh, I'll have a lot of honorable mentions here th- as well. But uh, my number five top debut album, according to me, is 1983's "Kill 'Em All" by Metallica <laughs> off of Megaforce Records. And I mean, it's the yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the first thrash metal album. Yeah. In the USA, and it's kind of it was kind of the blueprint for the whole. Um, just the whole thrash metal um, movement, and what's crazy is they're still like Metallica still plays songs off of that album yeah. to this day, like yeah. live at their show. You know, right. so like right. you know the songs are pretty solid if you're still playing stuff off your it's first album and you played them for what thirty plus years 30 plus and years, just yeah. like for maybe you know yeah. So it's you kinda. know it's solid, and I mean I even th- feel like like 
all of the punk rock from like the Fat Records era, those type of bands, I feel like they kind of owe a little debt to the Kill 'Em All as well, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just they were definitely listening to Kill 'Em All fast <laughs> at yeah, the time, exactly when you know they started coming out and writing their own music. So yeah, I was like, there was another metal album that I uh, debated putting at number five, but I ended up settling on uh, Metallica Kill 'Em All. So that's that's what I got. That's pretty solid. Uh, kind of sticking with the metal thing and sticking with the one and done thing. My number four is a band called Death that uh, came out with one oh, album. Yes, one album called "For the Whole World to See" yes. back in 1979. I Actually, believe. they have released a new album. Oh, they, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, they, they weren't one and done. Yeah. You're right; they, they weren't one and done. But they, it took them a long time to come out with another album. Yeah. It was something like like ten, almost a decade yeah. and a half had gone by. So I apologize; that wasn't a one and done, but, <laughs> mm, but kind of sort of. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, they were these uh, like three or three or four brothers out of Detroit. Yeah. Um, that were like a proto-punk band. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a really solid record. There's a documentary about them, too. Oh, is there? Yeah. Sweet. Netflix called A Band Called Death. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Check it out, dude. It is. Because I was like, I was reading an it's article. Like, yeah, it's fantastic. It's I was the reading whole an article about, um, I think it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about them. He, he was being, you know, they interviewed him and he was like mentioning this band and how they, I guess they were going to be signed to Capitol Records, but they wouldn't change their name. They were like, you, you guys, you guys will give you yeah. a record deal. You guys can do whatever you want. Yeah. We just can't use that name. And they were like, never. You know? Yeah, they were punk, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were, they were black guys, man. Yeah. And, yep. it was and they like, were all brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, there, you got to watch the documentary, man. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And like how you said, like, the whole like story. that sound sort of influenced a lot. You can hear a lot of like, I mean. You can oh, hear, yeah. you get everything mean, from like the Ramones to almost Kiss. Yeah, and that, they came the, out before the Ramones. And they came out before the Ramones, exactly. And I think that, and like from this article that I read, like they would have probably been, you know, right up there with like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and all those mm-hmm. bands had they at least, you know, caught on. Well, one of, yeah, like. Because um, they had to release that album independently. Yeah, and in the documentary, they kind of explained like the main guy, like that 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 the band was like his baby, you know. Yeah, yeah. He was a little bit crazy, a little eccentric uh, and stuff, okay. and so like so that he, sense. he he definitely had that no compromise attitude and mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, oh, and you can totally hear that in the music too. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, it's no surprise that they kind of got pushed aside into obscurity, but like right. were later rediscovered and. Um, one of the guy's nephews has like a punk band too, nice. and it, they're called. Jeez, um, I can't think of it. But they they're in the documentary too, nice. and they uh, they nice. um, they're like you know they opened up for them when they reunited and stuff. Right, and it was really cool. Very cool. All right, that's great. That's a great choice, man. Um, so my number four is pretty much the soundtrack to many many high school years and high school <laughs> days and it's uh 1992's bizarre ride to the far side from oh, the far side that's a good one and um i mean their second album lab cam california is pretty awesome too but there's just nothing like the first bizarre ride yeah. album and i remember our friend jason ortiz i uh I had the cassette tape of this, and he like borrowed it and like never <laughs> gave it back. And it and every time we cruised in his uh, little Volkswagen Beetle, it was far side. It was the tape front to back, you know. Right. We just right, flip right. it over when it ended. Yeah. So, I got. I'll tell you something about giving something and never getting anything back. I was. Uh, I gave money to the Far Side Fan Club for a poster after um, Lab Cab in California came out. And they cashed my $10 check, but they never sent me a poster. Oh, ever. man. <laughs> and I wrote to them. Never heard back. Oh, man. <laughs> but sure enough, you know, they took my $10. So That's not so surprising, though. Because, I this mean, was, it sounds like. This was like, you know, 20 years ago. Because they've had a few albums after 
but they like Fat Lip quit the band, yeah. quit the group, and then it's just been kind of like they still tour, but it, I think there's only two, just two of the, them the now. Two guys, yeah, yeah. Out of four, and uh, I mean, it's one of those things, and, and that's one of those groups that I never ever got to see live, and I was so. It's kind of on my bucket list, but I mean, it but wouldn't like, be the but same. Now, you know? But now, yeah. yeah, it's it's like you, if you had like time yeah, machine, we, go we, back. And we watch. went to this festival. It was really this kind of underground festival in the mountains here in Colorado called Apogee <laughs> years ago, and it was all like punk rock bands and then like hip hop groups. Mm-hmm. And like the far side was like the main headliner on the Sunday night of that show. Right. But we all had. A, one ride up there and we had to take the ride home and so we missed the far side we didn't get to stay because uh, we had to go to school the next yeah, day yeah. it was so lame yeah, but yeah. by that time we were out of money out of food and it was like six mm-hmm. o'clock sunday and our ride was leaving yeah. so we didn't get to see the far side so and it was kind of like the far side was i don't know like well they're interesting because they were west coast yeah. But they sounded, they were more, I don't know. It was real They infused. weren't like gangster rap no, or anything. No, no, it was they like were real infused with like disco mm-hmm. and, and funk R&B and, and funk. Yeah, and way comedy, more. really. I mean, yeah. their rhymes are hilarious. There's yeah. so many funny songs on like the, mm-hmm. the first single is Your Mama. Though it's basically right. just Your Mama, one lo- a whole song of Your Mama jokes. Your Mama jokes, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's one of my, I mean, if we're doing hip hop albums of the 90s, that's probably on my list too. You right, know, if yeah. we're doing... Rap debuts, it's on my list. <laughs> it's on a lot of my yeah, list. So. Yeah, that's definitely that was definitely going to be an honorable mention for me, and I, I, uh, I thought about that too. But that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. All right, so keeping with that, I guess uh, I'm going to go with my number three. Three. Yeah. All right, uh, and is DJ Shadow introducing? Shut the in- heck up. Introducing. Look at this right here. <laughs> that's see there. Number it is. three, number DJ three. Shadow right, introducing. So let's just, let's wow. just do this. Let's just talk about it. And by the way, we don't ever compare lists before we get in the room here. So. Yeah, this is the first time I'm for the hearing, record. hearing this, hearing about this. For the record. But, um, um, go ahead. It's great, man. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's another kind of underground, um, I mean, groundbreaking, groundbreaking mm-hmm. record. I mean, he basically created an instrumental hip-hop album primarily based just um, built off of samples, samples yeah. you know. He was like a – if you ever see – I'm promoting all these documentaries. Yeah. I need to do top five music documentaries right. or something. This, but that the, would definitely be on it. <laughs> yeah, scratch. scratch, scratch. the, And they show, like, this record shop that he, like – they they only let him go down and dig in liter- the basement. Yeah, it was literally a mom-and-pop record shop where this, owned by this old mom and dad. And, and the basement's literally basement. like a vinyl cave. And there's yeah. like, he's like, I found a mummified bat over there. Right. And, yeah. and that's how he built that record. Was yeah, basically on all, samples the rec- of all the samples of obscure records he found down there. And like, I mean, I feel like when I was in film school in the late 90s, every single person, <laughs> this was like the soundtrack to everyone's student film. And not too, just student know? films, but I mean like any kind of like indie film around that time. I know there was like a film about like the New York subways and the people who lived oh, in yeah, them. Oh, yeah, Dark Days. Yeah. Dark Days. That had yeah, all, of his, great all of his movies. I mean, all of his, had all of his mu- music yeah, on Yeah, that, that was the soundtrack to yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just was – I mean, the, the it's no wonder the album sounds cinematic, you know. Yeah. It's just um, yeah. It sounds like a score to yeah, a movie that was never made. But exactly. It's to the coolest movie that you've never yeah, seen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I love it. I remember me and Mike G went. We'd I I had read about it somewhere, and it just sounded cool. The name mm-hmm. DJ Shadow just sounds cool to right. begin with. Yeah. The album cover was kind of cool. It was like these dudes in a record shop, just just, just th- thumbing through and, records. Yeah, and yeah. one of the dudes' faces blurred, and there's like a cat chilling. And, I, and someone had always said that was like the store up in Boulder, but I don't think that's true. No, nah, I think it was the store <laughs> yeah. that he did the <laughs> digging. It was a rumor that it started, you know. Yeah, but I remember me and Mike G went down to Wax Tracks, and we both bought that album on vinyl. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know, man. It kind of blew our minds, man. We were. Yeah, it definitely was game changing. You know, when it came out, I think as far as like hip hop or what what you thought hip hop was supposed to be and defined yeah. by, and yeah. the fact that there was like no MC on on the record or yeah. anything like that. You know, anything any kind of vocals was taking was taken directly from a and sample. And I I really love his second album too, man. Yeah, um, that was not going to be on my list either of the of the lo-fi. <laughs> no, not his. No, he followed it up pretty yeah, well. Yeah, the Private Press, the second one was really good, too. Yeah. I really love that one a lot, too. Yeah. So, cool. Cool, nice. man. Nice choice. Number two, then, Demi. <laughs> All right, so my number two. Yeah. My number two goes to uh, Jeff Buckley, another one and done. Not, you know, not any fault of his because he died, but Jeff yeah. Buckley's Grace. Uh, 1994 yeah, I know you love this something. record, man. Um, just uh, an amazing singer, an amazing songwriter. Um, I don't know, you know, it just... He could, uh, I think some of his music is still like being um, uh, covered today, like his his version of Hallelujah, the Leonard Cohen song. Um, that song is just, I, I hear that song everywhere, covered in TV shows and movies and commercials and everywhere that, you know, I, I feel like I turn the TV on or anything. Yeah. Um, but that's, that album has stuck with me since I was like, you know, since I was like 18 years old or something. It's just really well done. And then, you know, this guy almost mythically, you know, comes out with this amazing album. And then decides to go swimming in the Mississippi River, and yeah, he's never seen again. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, which is yeah, awesome. <laughs> and then he's never seen again. So it's like you know, he leaves this one thing, and it's always like a what, what you know, what yeah, might have been kind a lot of thing. Of, you yeah, know? You know? the what ifs of yeah. records and stuff yeah, like that music, always yeah. kind of and just add just, to the you know, like, lore. And it could have just been like you know, like this could have just been his. You know, everything else could have been crap afterwards. That this was everything he had, and and that was it. So yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, great, so, great album. Check it out. If you haven't already, of course. My number two is uh, 1967's Are You Experienced? Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Experience. Nice. Yeah. That's on my honorable mentions for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at all his like greatest hits and the most famous songs, they're all, they're all on, on that, that album. album. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they like, all come from that album. Yeah. You know, Fire and Manic Depression, Purple Haze, mm-hmm. all that. It all comes from that album. That first and album, yeah. Man, it's just... It was very another groundbreaking album at the time, you know. I mean, yeah, the just the guitar playing is literally out of this world from not from this planet. And I mean, he, his vocals are n- not the best, but they work, you know. With they his are music, what they are. Yeah. yeah, they work with his music. It's distorted yeah. almost. His voice is almost like gnarly and distorted, like his guitar playing. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's like he really channeled the, all the psychedelics and like. I read just a story, yeah. si- channeled it into his music, man. Mm-hmm. You can hear it, you know. You can yep. taste it. You yeah. Can Plus, the album cover is awesome too, man. Now I think there aren't there two album covers. Are there is the but the, the I'm one, talking about the, the U.S. One, version, the yellow one with yes. the psych- psychedelic like circular like fisheye picture. Yes, yeah, yeah that yeah. one, that one, yeah. And yeah, the British version's kind of cheesy. It's just kind of like a photograph, and it says, "Yeah, are you experienced? Are you experienced? Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. like, yeah, because <laughs> uh, didn't the album come out? In Britain first or something? I think so, yeah. yeah. And I think the songs are the same, but they're, like, in different order. Yeah. Kind of like the some of the early Beatles, their mm-hmm. songs were not exactly... Yeah. The track listings weren't exactly the same on the... Yeah. Apparently the story goes that Pete Townsend listened to Are You Experience, and he said he, he, he broke guitars that night because he didn't know what, what else he was going to do because he's like, what do I do now? I don't know how to make music after <laughs> hearing he that. He would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would. What else is he going to do with his guitar besides break them? Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Awesome. Cool. That is solid. Okay. So my number one is uh, almost a one and done. It should have been probably a one and done. Is uh, the Stone Roses self-titled debut album. Uh, came out in, I think, 1989. 
Oh, yeah. um, kind yeah. of the, um, I don't know what you call it, mod rock, psychedelic, psychedelica, psychedelic rock. Um, yeah. British. British post-punk kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I just, I remember listening to this when I was in, like, middle school or something. Like, I just happened to hear it. And I it totally changed my mind. Like I hadn't heard music, I'd never heard music like that before, and practically ha- felt that it's been sort of copied and you know redone. I mean, Blur. Um, you think of all these other bands, Blur, yeah. Oasis. Yeah, Oasis. They all sound sure. like the Stone Roses. Yeah. And this this one album came out, and they didn't do anything for years, and um, that could lead up to our low five. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds cool. Well, let me give you my number one. All right. Uh, my number one is, you know, it's probably one of the most influential and important debut albums. Um, over 30 million copies sold, 1987's Appetite for Destruction, <laughs> Guns <laughs> N' Roses. Nice. Um, I mean, it, it was just a game changer, man. It was, um, you know, they came out of the Sunset Strip and the whole glam metal thing, but they weren't glam metal at all, mm-hmm. you know. They were like... Dirty rock and roll, you know. They were yeah, next level, was, you know. Just but the songwriting and the guitar playing, the, the music, everything is fantastic mm-hmm. on it. You know, it's yeah. not just sloppy or you it know. Was, it it's, was def- it's amazing it was, that it was they crafted from like you could tell that they worked on this stuff for a long time and then you know created yeah, the album instead of exactly. just you know rushing something. Yeah, exactly. And so I mean. It was just, uh, I mean, and there's songs you, all those, you know, the three singles off that album you hear every day on the radio to yeah. this day, yeah. every day, you know, mm-hmm. and, but it's the deeper cuts on the album that are just as amazing, you know, I mean, the, Mr. Brownstone, yeah, Mr. Brown's <laughs> Rocket Queen, and then the, the little, it's so easy, I swear that like little riff, didn't like MTV use that on like so. MTV News Forever, yeah, I don't know, there's, but yeah, I mean. It's great. Um, it's just classic, man. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Guns N' Roses were ever able to really recapture that, you know, because yeah. by the time they got to the Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 albums, it was already, like, the Axel show. And, and like, it was let's a lot get, of ballads. Yeah, and, and let's yeah. get, like, an orchestra right, and whatnot. Yeah. And, like, that one. Appetite Destruction is just, like, five dirty dudes, you know. Yeah, like making an, making an album. Just, making just an album. And I was reading somewhere, one, somewhere else that they were saying that that's probably the last great album that was, like, Recorded straight to magnetic tape, no Pro Tools, no digital production yeah, on it. You know, dang. like the last great analog album, you know, <laughs> recorded. So. When did that come? 87? 87, 87, yeah. Yeah, wow. So. That's excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's going to make a good uh, segue into our low five. <laughs> do you have any honorable mentions real quick? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I do. I do. Um Cause I'll start with like Go I got I got I got the Ramones self-titled. Yeah, that's a good um, one. The Strokes is the is this uh, it? Yeah, I put that down. That's too. on there. Kanye West, College Dropout. I thought that was awesome. Really a great album. Uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, and The Laws are also on there. Nice. Um, I my um, my number five was almost Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the birth too. of. Heavy metal right there, and mm-hmm. it's a good album too. It's really great. Um, Led Zeppelin one, it was uh, an honorable mention. Uh, Pearl Jam ten. Pearl Jam ten, yep. Um, I also had the Strokes as the Sid, also as another honorable mention. So those, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. I could probably give you a list of twenty more. Yeah, yeah, same here. Those were the short list that didn't make the cut. All right, so 
you want to continue with your low yeah, five. Yeah, my low five. It'll start with number five, and that would be the follow-up to Appetite for Destruction. <laughs> That's then that was my number five. Nice. <laughs> GNR lies, Guns and Roses, um, 1988. So like a year later, they kind of. It was really a rush job by the record company, I yeah. imagine, to like capitalize on this huge band, and you know. And they had nothing kind of. They hadn't really recorded, I I think, and it just. They had done a lot. They, well, because I think they'd done a lot of touring. And yeah, so they, they had hadn't, toured they hadn't like had crazy. time to yeah. record or yeah. write stuff. So I think half the album is live, and then the other half is just like. Like acoustic, acoustic ballads. Stuff, you yeah. know, like the only yeah. song that was any significance was the ballad Patience. The, Patience, uh, yeah. That, that was the big hit. Still hear. Yeah. That was a single off of that one. Yeah, but the rest of it's super forgettable. And it's only mm-hmm. eight songs. It's barely could even be considered an album. Which could, yeah, which I always kind of thought it was sort of like a, you know, like an EP or something. Yeah. You know? But I mean, after Appetite, it was a big disappointment right. yeah you know? huge and i don't know who's who to bl- who's exactly to blame for the record label or what but and it's it's almost like you can consider use your illusion their second album almost but it's like yeah. well you guys you, sk- you still yeah. put this out here as your second album yeah. so you didn't I put mean, it out as a live album you they had probably could have but guns and roses has a very bizarre like yeah. recording career i mean they only have they do five albums right and it's like for such a for such an enormous you know influential yeah. band yeah you know, and then after they you know then it took him years to release that turd called Chinese Democracy. And, yeah. 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 Worst. It's very bizarre. Cool. So that was my number five. Man, also. my number five, too. And my number four is also a follow up. And this is the Stone Roses, who, after I think a decade and maybe maybe 12 or some, some years, I they came out with this. an album called uh, The Resurrection, which to begin with. It's like <laughs> yeah. you're gonna boast. You're that, shooting sorry, for the, you're the shooting coming, for the stars. The song, the, the, the song was called Resurrection. The album was called The Second Coming. Oh my god! And when you when you throw that out there, you're yeah, exactly. It's it's uh you're uh you're just setting yourself up for failure. And the album is completely uh, it's it's almost unlistenable. It's just there's just nothing remarkable or or anything that you know captures and you know you can't yeah. remember much about it. It's just it's terrible. <laughs> well, that's perfect for this list then. Yeah. Um, my number four is kind of an obscure album by a kind of obscure group. Um, it is a is a '90s hip hop duo called Blood of Abraham, and uh, their first album came out in 1993. It was called Future Prophets, and I loved it. It was one of those uh-huh. other ones cassette tapes that I hadn't played to death, and it was just it was very bizarre, man. They're like um, some Orthodox Jewish rappers, really, you know. Mm-hmm. But they were like signed to the Easy E's Ruthless record label. I mean, it was dark. <laughs> it was street. Had cool beats, and it was just kind of insane. Um, but they had a follow up in like seven years later, so that's already way too long to like yeah. wait. And obviously, um, so yeah, it's two thousands year two thousands I Dollar Tree by. Blood of Abraham, so it's kind of like idolatry is a play on <laughs> idolatry, I guess. Uh, yeah, Idol, I guess. you know. But the only thing significant about this disappointment is there's a song on there called "99 Cent Lighter," and it's the first appearance of Will I Am of the Black Eyed Peas. Really? On the so that's that's yeah. his origin story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's on the Blood of Abraham started, second. Yeah, second started from album. a 99 Cent Lighter. So <laughs> that's the only thing interesting about that album. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. It was bad, and then they had Will I Am. On. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, okay. So my number three here is uh, Jay Z in my lifetime, Volume One. 
I don't think there was a volume two because volume <laughs> one was enough. Yeah. Um, again, nothing memorable about it. It was no, um, no songs off there. No songs. Any no, significance? Yeah. It didn't really. He didn't follow up what was so influential about his first album. He didn't. He just basically didn't continue about it. He kind of regressed a little bit. It kind of. He kind of tried to make it sound a little bit more like. Uh, like what Puff, what Puff Daddy was doing at the time, you know, oh, yeah. a little bit more like trying trying to make more singles out of this yeah. instead of just sticking with you know what he knew and you know his life, I guess I don't know rapping yeah. about his life or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was a uh, I remember like I don't yeah, even know that's why. a real forgettable one. Yeah, in the yeah. Jay Z discography for sure. It's disappointed, very disappointed. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, my number three is Room on Fire, two thousand three by The Strokes. Oh, for real. Okay. Um, Wow. It's just, it, I mean, it's it's not a terrible album, but they did not, it didn't really build on any, it didn't do anything new. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, is this it all over again? But the songs just weren't as good, you know? Yeah. The singles I, weren't as catchy. And I had read somewhere that they had, they like went into the studio with like Radiohead's producer or something and were making some real crazy experimental music and then scrapped that at the last, like scrapped that halfway yeah. through and says, uh, let's just do what we know. Maybe they basically. got real self-conscious about like, well, is this going to sell? Yeah, what's what's going to exactly. happen with this? And so, I mean, it's not a, a horrible album, but it's definitely a disappointment. It's not, that's it's that's, a slump compared to what the impact in just the songs on Is This mm-hmm. It are just so much better. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like people kind of come down on that album and Weezer's second album Oh, yeah. Pinkerton, they, yeah. they kind of come down those two for like not sounding like what 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 it was before, but I feel like like as time goes by, people are starting to appreciate those two albums oh, yeah. a people, little bit more. People you know, love the, Pinkerton, yeah. It's kind of like yeah. a cult, when, when it a first came out, now, yeah. when it first came out, people were like, "Oh, sophomore yeah. slump, you guys." And that's it's, it's, it's this is this isn't anything. That's like, how like album. Paul's boutique was uh, originally originally yeah. received because it initially. wasn't like licensed. It wasn't yeah. anything like licensed, yeah. which is you know was exactly what they were trying to do. They yeah. were they were trying. I to I just heard on the sound. radio that turned thirty years old today. Wow, licensed Paul, to Ill, licensed to Ill? yeah, yeah, old. I'm old. All right, so for my th- number three, this was kind of I don't know. I was trying to this. It was kind of I, I was kind of trying to go between two different. I guess I couldn't decide, and so I finally went with because uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, the Killers, Sam's Town. Okay. And I I wasn't a big fan of the first Killers album, but I listened to it and I liked what they were doing with their sound. You know, kind of like a. I don't know, like an ABBA meets, I don't know, like rock and roll kind of thing or something. Yeah, and that was interesting. You yeah. know, it was kind of it kind of came out around that time when when that when uh, that that sort of. Uh, I mean, the singles are all over the place yeah. from that first yeah. album. Yeah. yeah, and I guess the second one was kind of silly because they tried to basically write a Bruce Springsteen album, and I think yeah. that's, that's the story that kind of caught me was that he was a huge fan of Bruce Springsteen and he just wanted to make like his Nebraska or something like yeah. that. And, and the imagery that went along with it was they were all like dressed like cowboys. Right, and yeah. Stuff. And it's like it's like these guys go from, you know, wearing eyeliner disco and suits to disco freak, punk you know? to <laughs> being cowboys and on the road or something. <laughs> yeah. Like like writing a life yeah. on the road album. Yeah. And it was such a weird like, you know, three sixty or we you know, one eighty or something, and it was I don't know, like just that just kinda captured my imagination of like a, a band that, you know, listens to like listens to something and like, oh, I can do that, yeah. you know, and then they just fail horribly and yeah. don't come back with what they probably are better at or should have done, you know, so just thought that was interesting. Good. Yeah. It deserves to be here on the list. Um, okay. It leads me to my number two. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite artists of all time. All right. Um, 
and he is the lead singer for a band called Pearl Jam, one of my favorite bands of all time. <laughs> but he released a solo album called Into the Wild that was a soundtrack to the Into the Wild movie, right. and it was fantastic. And a few years later, back in 2011, he followed it up with an <laughs> ukulele songs. So it's an entire album of Eddie Vedder playing ukulele songs. And um, some that he wrote, some yeah, that he did. Yeah, some are covers, some, are covers. some that he wrote. Yeah. Like one is like a Pearl Jam song. Yeah. One of those songs later became a Pearl Jam song. Mm-hmm. But it's just boring. <laughs> it is so <laughs> boring. And I, I, I remember when the the album came out, I had the CD in the car and I just would let it play. And, you know, in my CD player, when it ends, it starts over again. And I would literally never know when this album began or started. Like every single song sounded exactly <laughs> the same. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, Ish, to change, you know. to go completely, you know, to when yeah. you have a ukulele as your only yeah, instrument. Yeah. It's kind of hard to distinguish, you know, between yeah. songs or, you yeah. Know. I mean, I'm just, I just chalk it up to, it was a bad idea, but, um, well, he was pretty fond of that instrument, I think. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, just, and they could have just left that one song on one of the albums. Riot, yeah, Riot Act, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The one little ukulele kitschy song, and that's cool. That's fun. And well, I think that was it. Is that it's, I think he was trying to do something bold, yeah, but it came yeah. across as kitschy. Yeah. It's like it's oh. basically the equivalent of the song "Bugs" on Vitology, really. <laughs> you know, just like, I, I like. I think like, "Bugs" hey. is way more, way, way more creative than <laughs> all of that whole out. That whole basically, album. well, what I'm trying to say with that is that he's like basically I'm Eddie Vedder and I can do what I want. You yeah, know? pretty much. So, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Take it or leave yeah, it. And that's, that's exactly one it. that I I remember I bought the well I bought the record on I bought it on I pre-ordered it on vinyl from the website the 10 club <laughs> website and I think I listened to it once nice. it's pretty much mint condition <laughs> interesting but yeah it came with the CD as well so that was how I listened to it in the car mm-hmm. and it was I mean I think it would have been like done like an LP or something like that like done five songs or if it had been released like as a Christmas single to the yeah. fan club or something yeah, exactly. you know like here's two songs and here's you know yeah. whatever just an official solo album release it was a Dead. Yeah, it was a dead. Yeah. yeah, and I thought you know, like, and I, I think he tried to tour with it, and a lot of the the music that he would play, he wouldn't play the whole thing in on ukulele. You know, he'd bring out a guitar or bring out a electric yeah. guitar, and yeah. You know. So I thought that was pretty telling that you know, obviously you can't carry this, yeah, <laughs> from you know for very long. Exactly, and I mean, I think the album's only like forty minutes long. Maybe, yeah, it's pretty know? short. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, it was on. It sounded exact. Every song sounded exactly the same. I never knew when it began or end. So yeah, it is what it is. Cool. All right, so my number one slump. worst sophomore slump uh, goes to The Kinks with Kinda Kinks oh, okay. in 1965. Um, it's just a kind of poor excuse of trying to make The Kinks sound not anything like their first album, trying mm-hmm. to make them more commercial, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think Ray Davies said he was never happy with this album. He wanted to be thrown out or something. Yeah. I think the only single off of it is um, Tired of Waiting for You, yeah. that song. And I think because the first Kinks album was so strong mm-hmm. and so, you know, just like yeah. we, keep, we keep saying game-changing, but, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of was, yeah. um, that this second album sounded more like, you know, Hermit's Hermit's than it did, <laughs> with, yeah. than it did like than what the, you know, uh, all the original stuff they did on their first album. So it's... I was I was listening to it again and yeah it's pretty it's pretty terrible. You hear it it almost sounds like he's disappointed in what he's singing about, you know. He just just sounds bored or something, you know, in his lyrics and and yeah, it's it's totally uninspirational and just 
Bad, wonder what Wes bad, Anderson bad thinks movie. of that one. <laughs> I've never heard Turns it. Turns out it's I his was, favorite. I was read, well, I, I was going through, and I actually was thinking about that. And I haven't. he has never taken a King song from Kind of Kinks and used it in ah. any of his movies. So I don't know. Maybe well, he like, understands, too, that it's pretty Yeah, crappy. I was kind of just browsing around looking at sophomore albums of bands and stuff. And, like, I mm-hmm. know I, was re- I saw a lot of people said the second album by The Who, a quick one. Was a slump, but yeah. I actually it has the song a quick one while he's away. Speaking of Wes Anderson, yeah. like yeah. that's one of my favorite Who songs. You that's know? A, that's so a good album. Like, it's one. It's like it's so like, I can't like, say, like it's like Pinkerton. Like you know, like the first album comes out and it's like yeah. wow, you're you, you hit so hard with this album, yeah, that your follow up is going to be you know there's going to be so much hype and so much you know coming you know expect expectations coming from yeah. this album that yeah. you know how are you going to top it. Really, exactly. And so, whatever you come out with, you know, whatever it sounds like, it's not gonna, you know, someone's gonna cr- criticize it for something. And I think that's why people are going back and saying, like, "Oh, Pinkerton is actually pretty good." And the Who, yeah. second Who album, that's actually a good album. Yeah. So I, th- I feel like that happens a lot with you know what people consider sophomore slumps at the time. It's okay. like, well, you know, well, this, my number one album. I don't think I don't think anybody's like going back and saying, "No, oh, it's a pretty good album." So. Um, <laughs> It would be 1983's Into the Unknown by Bad Religion. Interesting. So their first album, uh, How Could Hell Be Any Worse, was one of those like groundbreaking influential punk albums, you know, of the time kind of defined the Southern California punk sound and everything. But their second album was like a total departure, like way crazy. I mean, it's like a prog rock album, actually. Whoa. They like have synthesizers and, you know, like... It's it sounds kind of like it's kind of Devo-ish, you know. Uh-huh. It's definitely not punk. It's like slowed down, you know. It's wow. it's it's bizarre, and it like all the punks rejected it totally, and <laughs> and the band broke up after it for wow. several years till they came back with their album Suffer. So like mm-hmm. five or six years or something, quite a while. So bad that it broke up. The so band. bad it broke up the band, <laughs> and um, forever it was like out of print and hard to find. And I guess a few years back, the Bad Religion did like a box set of their retrospective, and they did re-release it on vinyl. <laughs> For the masses, you know, just to be, right, you know, to be to a completist. Be, it's part of their history, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they did re-release it. And I've the only way I've ever heard it, it's on YouTube. You know, you can Google it. And yeah. Somebody digitized the song, yeah. the whole album on YouTube. But, yeah, you should listen to it. It's a trip, man. It's just <laughs> so bizarre. I don't, and it's yeah, like, I don't think I've ever even heard of this album. Or yeah, even like, no, I mean, you got to see the, like... You got to see the cover art, man. It's like all spacey. It's like space and like the bad religion font. <laughs> it it looks like it looks like a Boston. Yeah, it totally. Cover. Looks like, yeah, like like it could be like a yes cover. Yes cover. Or like Boston. Boston, you know. <laughs> Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. So like, um, yeah, man, and it broke up the band pretty much for a couple years, and uh, they said like Brett Gerwitz like joked that you know they printed like. 20,000 copies of the album and like right <laughs> ended up with 25,000 sent back or something <laughs> <laughs> you know like People just like no like, I don't nope. want this yeah exactly <laughs> it's like what the, you know so that's yeah, awesome we do not want this but anyways Very cool. I don't know my friend Micah swears by it he says it's awesome it's underappreciated <laughs> so yeah he's a pretty much though he's a, he's a bad religion loyalist yeah so so exactly. that doesn't surprise me that he's like yeah, that's a pretty cool album, pretty dude. Cool, dude. <laughs> but I mean, if, if if you found, I guess if you found the original album first pressing, it's like highly collectible because it's so, of course, of un, you know, yeah, unknown, right, bizarre, right. and uh, you know, it was bootlegged after you know till they re-released yeah. the vinyl. But it's bizarre, man. Listeners out there, check it out if you want to. 
you know, have your mind kind of blown in a bad way. <laughs> in a bad way. Yeah. So that's it, man. That's our nice. uh, top debuts in low five worst sophomore slump albums. Yeah. Um, if you listen to us and like what you hear, please write us a review or just give us a star review on iTunes. Um, also, any topics you'd like to hear, send us a suggestion at the high five download podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Stitcher and we are also on SoundCloud as well. Awesome. Anything else you got to say, <laughs> Demi? Uh, nope. Uh, just, uh, yeah, just if you have any kind of uh, ideas for, you know, for any topic, future topics, low fives, top yeah. fives. And let if us you're know. our friend, if you're someone that knows us personally and you want to be a guest, We'll have you. Yeah. Come on. Come on board. We'll talk about uh, your faves and your worsts as well. Exactly. All right. Talk to you guys next time. Take care. Bye-bye.